Good morning. Let's open our Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, does it ever get old? Singing to God about how He ransomed us. I just had a conversation the other day with a brother, actually our founding pastor of this church, and just amazed how 20-some years have gone by, but remembering how the Lord had worked in our lives back when you know several of us here were saved, and um, some of you remember those days. And just to, you know, to be reminded of how powerful that salvation experience is uh, when you can sing with full confidence that the chains have been broken, the chains of sin has, you know, God's grace has set us free. And it's never old to go back and to think of that time. And that's a good, uh, what I want to say, a good, uh, a good, uh, Lord help me, good lead into, no, that's not it. Uh, <laughs> a good barometer of where you are at with the Lord. When you think back the moment you got saved, does it still bring joy to your heart? Now, you might be here this morning and never experienced the freedom of being forgiven of your sin and you're still carrying the guilt and the shame. And for those who are listening, maybe, I know there's some people that listen every Sunday morning that don't go to church. They need to be pointed to Jesus. If they never experienced that moment of being forgiven of sin by God, you need to hear the message, the gospel message, with an open heart. And if you've never done that, if you're here this morning, you've never asked God for forgiveness of your sin to be set free, to be able to sing with your heart poured out, I want to talk to you after the service. Don't wait till tomorrow, because tomorrow might not come. You want your sins forgiven. And we have that wonderful promise as we sang in a number of songs this morning. Speaking of the the trumpet sounding, which is a reference, as we know, that the rapture, Jesus Christ coming for his church, that's hallelujah, right? We're ready, Lord. That's another barometer of where you're at with the Lord. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Because, folks, we are getting so close. It is like 30 seconds until 12 midnight, right? The clocks it's going to happen. The Bible talks about it happening. Everything lining up in this crazy world, it's happening because it's following God's timeline. God's in control. He's sovereign. Nothing's happening in this world that he's not surprised by. And that's going to come. Jesus Christ is going to come for his church. We're going to be taken out of here. And we'll experience every moment even far greater like we did this morning. We'll be always worshiping the Lamb of God. That's our eternity. That's what we have to look forward to. That's the promises that we have. This, this old earth that we live in, this is temporary. And so now you've got to listen to a message out of the Bible about the workplace and how Jesus ought to be reigning in your heart in the workplace. So why don't you stand with me as we read Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 5 through 9. 
Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Lord, I'm reminded of the scripture that says, not by power, nor by might, but by the Spirit of God. Lord, as we stand before you today, we need your grace. Lord, every one of us here falls short in the workplace because we're there so much, we have to deal with the fallen world. And so, God, would you just remind us of your great grace right now. And Lord, that you would remind us of the calling that you placed on every single one of us, Lord, to be salt and light to this earth, which includes the workplace. Would you have your way with our hearts this morning? Lord, as we look at this, these scriptures, that you would be glorified, Lord. It's our desire to learn from you, to ask for your help, and then to see you work in a mighty way, Lord. So we do so with full confidence, Lord, looking at your word today, that you'll teach us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So, we come to that place in the scriptures of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, really the last section of Paul talking uh, to the church there, writing to the church. Remember, uh, you know, we've looked at marriage God's way. And we've looked at uh, parenting God's way. Children obeying their parents. And so all of that part of a connection and what the Spirit of God was inspiring Paul to uh, write and exhort to the church at Ephesus. And remember, everything that we've seen Paul say of, you know, uh, on marriage and uh, you know, children obeying their parents, it really goes back to be being filled in the Spirit, of the Spirit. To have a, a spirit-filled marriage and to have spirit-filled children. And upon that, then, is the attitude of submission. In the marriage, as we've seen, there must be that submission between husband and wife and really submitting to the Lord for there to be marriage God's way. And it's the same way in the family. The children are to be submissive to the, to the parents. And as we're going to look at today, there is such a thing as submission in the workplace. Just as there is a spiritual harmony within the family, within marriage, within the church, there's, a, there's an authority that God ordains, and that also is in the workplace. And again, in this passage, we're going to see the exhortation to each one of us uh, for employees and for the employers to be submissive to one another all under the mindset built into that being submissive to the lord and again all of us fall short in the workplace right we do 
I, I had my secular job for a few years before I was a full-time pastor. And uh, short, falling short, falling short. God's grace, God's grace. God's mercy and grace. Amen? The Lord understands that we live in a fallen world. He understands that employees and employers are not all Christians. Not everybody's out to do the will of God. But nevertheless, despite that, God calls you and I in the workplace to be salt and light on this earth. Salt to the earth, light to the world. We, we are ambassadors of Jesus every single moment. And so, having said that, we get into the text here. But let me read this to you. An ambitious young executive is working late at corporate headquarters one evening. As he comes out of his office about 8 p.m., he sees the big boss standing by the shredder in the hallway with a piece of paper in his hand. Do you know how to work this thing? The older man asks. He says, my secretary's gone home and I don't know how to run it. Yes, sir, says the young executive, who efficiently turns on the machine, takes the paper from the other man, and feeds it in. Great, says the boss. I just need one copy. So there's no thank you, no nothing, no none of that, and I'm sure all of us have felt like that in the workplace before. Sometimes it seems like we spend our whole lives at work, and sometimes, uh, you know, things don't always go the way we want them to. We're not appreciative. Uh, people don't appreciate us. And so we ask ourselves the question, oftentimes in the workplace, does it really matter that Jesus is reigning in my heart? But Christ wants to reign in our hearts in the workplace. So let's dive in here. Verse 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. And so we have this word slave here. We have to understand the context at this particular time to understand just a few things that I'll share on slavery because the Bible, it doesn't condemn slavery as we read it. But there's a spirit in that as well that we'll look at throughout this passage. But it is estimated that in this time period, there were as many as 50 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Slavery was very common. And in, it, again, interesting enough, slavery is never condemned in the Bible. But at the same time, it did not promote the slavery that you and I might have in our mindset. Would you think back to uh, you know, slavery in, in America, in North America, and you know, we watched Roots years ago and that type of thing. The Bible never has said that's okay. When we, you and I think of slavery, at least I do, I think of that kind of torture for the people. Maybe it wasn't that great, uh, but in this culture, Greek and Roman cultures, most slaves had no legal rights. They were uh, treated as commercial commodities. They were nothing more but than tools, a piece of property. And um, so when the Roman citizens came to look on the work, um, they looked at their slaves as, you know, not being dignified. They were bought, bought, sold, traded, used, discarded. And so they were nothing, they weren't treated as human beings. One Roman soldier, uh, one Roman writer divided agriculture instruments into three classes. The articulate, who were slaves. The inarticulate, 
who were animals, and the mute, who were tools and vehicles. A slave's only distinction above animals or tools was that he could speak. So, since the system of slavery was so filled with abuse, we see here that that God is using Paul to speak to the church, and I think there's the implication that in that church then there was, there was slaves and masters. All right. Now for you and I, we're going to understand this, and I think the principle is for you and I. We don't understand, or there's nobody here that has a slave. right? I don't think so. I don't see any masters here today. I don't see any slaves in that context. But you and I certainly will understand the employee employer relationship and so that is going to speak to us today Um, so what's it say here well and let me just back up for a second we won't get into the historical aspect too much but things changed with jesus when jesus came the gospel changed we already understand that when jesus came uh, the woman was viewed at as different. Before Jesus came, before the gospel, and before the Spirit of God spread in such a way, women were classified as just being a piece of property. They had no rights. When Jesus came, things changed. It's the same way with slavery. When the gospel spread then, as we're going to see the exhortation for masters, they weren't to treat the slaves as you know, less than human beings or just as a piece of property. They were valued, and that, was, that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we're going to see, God, God doesn't look at one as being higher on a social scale than the other. There's, God shows no partiality. We are all created. We are all made in the image of God. That's how God sees us. Nobody's better than the other. And so, slaves, be obedient be obedient. We've got to stop there. Be obedient to your masters. The word obedience carries the idea or it built into a notion of submission. And so be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Be obedient. Submit. So just like the wife is supposed to submit to the husband in marriage and the husband is to love the wife as Christ has loved the church, that's submission. We also see the submission of, of to authority in the workplace. We're to be obedient. How are we to be obedient? Well, with fear and trembling. The idea of fear and trembling does not mean that we fear people that we work for, it means that we are godly servants striving to do the right thing out of fear and trembling of disobeying God. In the workplace, we must see that we are servants of the Lord. I'm reminded, if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, and this word, this phrase, fear and trembling. And remember, Philippians chapter 2, the first eight verses really talk about, or 11 verses, talk about humility and giving Christ as the example for you and I, having his mind, having this attitude in Christ Jesus of humility. And follow up, Paul says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, first of all, what this verse doesn't mean, or these two verses, it doesn't mean that I work for my salvation. Fear and trembling is not working for salvation. It's fear and trembling working, playing out our faith from the salvation experience. We, we don't want to disobey God. It's out of fear and reverence to God. I don't want to disobey God. I want to do the right thing because of the Lord and what He's done for me. And so we are to submit, place ourselves under the authority of our master or our employer. Now, that doesn't mean, as we'll touch on you do everything your boss says if your boss tells you to go across the street and rob a bank guess what you don't have to go across the street and rob the bank i hope you understand that as to the lord (laughs) right and i gotta tell you i wrote in my notes at this point folks this isn't easy some of you are smiling you're getting it (laughs) because we do live in a fallen world people are mean-spirited, demanding, cruel, demeaning. But as we read this scripture, these commandments, these exhortations are not conditional. We are to live in such a way despite the attitude of our employer. This is is what we are to work ambassadors for Christ. As it says here, it says, as to Christ. This little phrase, it changes the whole perspective of the employee towards the employer. I once had somebody tell me, it's just natural that we would want to hurt our boss. It's just the way life is. And I was a baby Christian at that time, and it just didn't sound right to me. But there is that, again, that harmony. There is that authority. That doesn't mean the boss is always right. In fact, I hope when we grow in the Lord, as we mature in the Lord, it's not always about being right. But we live in a a time where, where greed exists. Greed exists in the company. Working long hours, being treated less than human. You know, some of you might think your coworkers are, you know, a relative of the devil. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah, yes, you're nodding, yes. <laughs> Lord, thank you for the timing of this message today. Yes, yes, and yes, but the word of God is our standard. In the workplace, the Lord desires for us again to be salt and light. And as complicated as issues that you have to endure in the workplace, it simply boils down to this. Attitude. I don't like that word attitude. But then I'm reminded, have this attitude in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude in Christ Jesus. And this pertains to everything in life. The workplace, the home life, church life, whatever part of life. Have this attitude in Christ Jesus. Just thinking a couple scriptures from Paul again. From Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do in word, whatever you say, or whatever you do in deed, do all in the name of Christ Jesus. This should be a motto for every one of us every morning when we get up. Which means we would have to pray because we can't do this on our own. And it's crash and burn. It's not like we have willpower. And I'm speaking from experience here. So many times, Lord, this is the day I'm going to be your ambassador. This is it. Yesterday was yesterday, and your word says, Lord, your mercies are new every day, every morning. I'm going to do it, Lord. And you get to work, and they just don't get it. (laughs) They just don't get it. It's usually Monday mornings, isn't it? You have a great time fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ, just as the weekend, and, and then you got Monday. And then something happens, and you blow it. And you have to go to the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. And He forgives you. By Tuesday, you don't remember. And by next Monday, it's all over again, Right? We have to ask him for help. And he'll give us the help when we ask. The Lord does more in the Christian life and the workplace than any other place. Because work's where it's real. You don't have your brothers and sisters. Here we're safe, right? We have our brothers and sisters here. We can worship. We can raise our hand. We we can just worship the Lord and we're free. The Lord wants us to be free in the workplace as well. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that should be our motto. Again, the glory of God. But again, I can't do that on my own strength. I can't can't summon the power to do that. It's got to come from my relationship with God and earnestly ask Him, Lord, I need your help because I am so weak. And Lord, those people, I know you love them, Lord, but... I want to love them too. You see, as we go spiritually, we see our co-workers in a different light. And it's amazing, as I was bringing up at the start of the message here, uh, you know, when, when you get saved and you have people around you get saved, you have, you have a common bond that never, ever goes away. They might not, your brothers and sisters might not even attend worship services with you anymore, but there's a common bond when you get saved together. And that happens in church. We could be mad as heck at each other, but we have a common bond in Christ. We, we're in battle together. We worship the Lord together, and we're one. There's a common bond. It's, it's, it's powerful. I believe that's how the Lord wants His church. And then we grow and we begin to see our co-workers as we see our brothers and sisters in, in Christ. That's, again, that's something that God has to do. Sometimes you want to take the pipe wrench, right? And give them a holy swing. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> Just being real here. But perspective is everything, and when we have proper perspective and that attitude in our heart, and, and God gives us to see that in the workplace it really is a mission field. 
be obedient. And then not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Not, uh, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. So not by way of eye service. This phrase refers to, to working to impress. To impress the boss. When they're looking, they have 110%. When they're not looking, they might get 5%. That's pleasing man. Not to be men pleaser. Again, using flattery to advance on the job. I call it suck ups. <laughs> I didn't get that out of a commentary, but that's what it means. Being a suck up. Knowing how to say the right things all the time in front of people. Just to advance, to show yourself. And you know what happens in the church, by the way? Oh, the spiritual language we use around one another. Doing things only to get noticed instead of working to please the Lord. Both of these things, not by way of eye service and just men pleasing, those are manifestations of the flesh. They speak of someone who is walking in pride and essentially all about themselves. You know, isn't that the workplace, though? All about the self? Not working, and I'm not saying every place is like this, but in general, you probably could, you know, the place where you work might fall in that. Every, and again, that's, this is everywhere. Everybody's about themselves. We put self up here. And then everything through our, our, our filter of life starts with self instead of starting with Jesus. And isn't humility about putting ourselves under one's authority, submitting to them, submitting to the will of God, submitting to the Lord? Again, it's all about attitude and perspective. It says doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God, that's a powerful phrase. We could just spend forever on the will of God. You know, I see young people today that have an, an earnest desire to serve the Lord with their lives. And something gets twisted, I, and I, I think it's a scheme of the enemy and somehow, that they come up with the notion that they have to be in full-time ministry to be serving the Lord. And so when then that doesn't happen, the way that they prayed or the way somebody thought their life should be of full-time ministry, then they fall away. And I think it, their, their minds were lied to, their hearts were lied to, because all of us are full-time in the ministry. Do you understand that? We're all servants of God. We're, we're in the will of God when we're in the workplace. I'm a missionary in the workplace. I have the Spirit of God empowering me in the workplace, in the factory, just as much as somebody in uh, you know, South America. The same Holy Spirit is working in that person and empowering them to be a witness for Jesus Christ in the office as much as they are somebody in full-time missionary work in a jungle someplace. 
The same Holy Spirit wanting to do the same thing. And while there are certain callings, we're all called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ and serving Him, the will of God, from a sincere heart to do the will of God always. And that's hard to think of in the workplace, right? To do the will of God on Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the midst of all these heathens. God has you where you are, perhaps for a purpose. To do a great work for Him that only He can do. To bring people to Christ. Maybe you're the only person your co-worker is ever going to get anything of what true biblical Christianity is. And that can only come from proper perspective. That can only happen in having a relationship with God and relying on the Holy Spirit to give us that power to do so. We can't do it on our own. So as we come to these phrases... Again, attitude, these are attitude phrases as I wrote down. Let's just think about in terms of serving the Lord in the world that we live in. Whether it be on the job, in the home, in the church. We serve Him, or we can serve Him out of discipline. That is, the attitude that I have to do it. And the mindset of, I feel compelled to serve the Lord with my life. Now, you can have the attitude, I have to do it. I have to go to church today. I have to read my Bible today. We can have those moments, but God doesn't, you know, He doesn't want that attitude of having to do it. He wants us to be compelled to do it because of the Lord Himself. And then we can serve Him out of duty, not out of obligation just because that's what we're supposed to do, but an attitude, I ought to do this, and this speaks of someone who is convinced that they owe this to the Lord. Or we serve Him out of devotion, the attitude, I want to do it. That describes a person who has been captured by the Lord. They serve Him because they love Him. And this is what our service ought to be. That we give back to Him because He first loved us. It should never be a thing. Again, that's a barometer for us, isn't it? Where we are in our relationship with the Lord. If I have to come to church, well, I guess I'll read my Bible this morning. The Lord wants me to. Perhaps you just shut your Bible and pray. (laughs) I think of uh, Joseph. In fact, turn with me there. Uh, Genesis chapter 39. Remember Joseph, right? He had a lot of bad things happen to him. A lot of things that would have just put me over the edge, I can tell you that. But in Genesis chapter 39... Just read a couple verses here, I think, link us together in what we're learning in Ephesians. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, 
And Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him from the Ishlamites who had taken him down there. So remember, Joseph was sold essentially into slavery by his brothers. They actually wanted to do more to him. And so he's taken by the Ishlamites. They come to Egypt. In verse 2 it says, The Lord was with Joseph. Oh, does that not just resonate in your heart? The Lord was with Joseph. Sometimes we think when bad things happen, Lord, where are you? When really it's, the Lord is with you. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now see, that speaks to me. Who's the Egyptians? Non-believers. They didn't know the Lord. They, they worshiped pagan gods. And here, Joseph, he's a slave to these Egyptians, and it says the Lord is with him, and that Joseph was a successful man. And then his master. You see where we're going here? He, Joseph submitted himself to the authority above him. Why? Because God had a plan. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he owned he put in his charge. So Joseph didn't complain. He submitted himself to the Lord. He submitted himself to the authority that was over him. He knew the Lord was with him. And we see and we know the rest of the story, don't we? This wasn't the only bad thing that would happen to Joseph. He was in the center of God's will and bad things happened. In fact, he was thrown into a prison being accused of something that he didn't do. Of having relations with the wife. It wasn't his wife. And so he was thrown in prison, and God did an amazing thing there. Well, our Bible studies in Ephesians is not Genesis, so we'll, but you get my point. When we're in the center of God's will, he's with us, then we are a witness, a testimony. The Egyptian, the Potiphar, his authority, he knew that the Lord was with him. And he prospered, and he became his right-hand man. He was his personal servant. And God did an amazing thing, and we know the rest of the story, right? The plan of God in the midst of Joseph's life and his family's life. And who knows, it might be God's will for you to be the only light to somebody in the workplace. You're the one person that God is going to use them to come to Jesus Christ, that they would spend eternity in heaven. Oh, that we would think about this in every time, every place that we have this wonderful opportunity to be God's vessel. So whether we're serving the Lord directly or whether we serve Him through our service to our employers, we should do the will of God from the heart, knowing that God always has a plan. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Now that is, that is amazing promise right here. It's real easy to read these few verses here and just skip over this one. 
But there's a promise, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Again, there's no partiality. I kind of paraphrase this verse, verse, doing the right thing, doing unto the Lord. That's something that we train our kids, especially little 11-year-old boys that seek shortcuts in life. But the constant theme of late is always do the right thing. If you always do the right thing, of course, on that foundation, the Lord's with you all the time. Do the right thing, and then you will always have peace. You might end up like Potiphar, or excuse me, Joseph under Potiphar, but he was in the will of God, successful and prospered. When we always do the right thing in the workplace, when we're focused that God is our real authority, as to Christ we're serving our employer, then you know what the the real reward is? Peace. Because as a Christian, when when the rubber meets the road and maybe the times when you skidded the tires and there's smoke, meaning there's conflict, the Holy Spirit convicts you. And praise God for His grace that we can just turn to the Lord. Lord, I've blown it again. And He's there and He forgives us. And, we, and the next day is a new day. If you have that mindset, He's going to continue those opportunities to be light. And it says here, the good things, doing the right thing all the time, it's going to be rewarded to you. On this earth, with the peace and the presence of God, and eternity with the, with the rewards that we, we read of in the Scriptures. Always do the right thing. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ above and beyond our employers. And then verse 9 it says, and masters. So that would be to uh, the boss. Do the same things to them and give up threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And so, a word to the employers. You know, Christian bosses are told to do the same thing as the employees. That is, to submit to them, to treat them as God would want you to treat them. Not lording over them, but submitting to them and taking care of them as they are a person of authority. Authority can be a horrible thing for people that don't have a humble mindset. They go on power trips, don't they? And it's always crash and burn. You see that in the workplace all the time. But it says here specifically, give up threatening. Give up harsh treatment because they are servants of the Lord. And the employees are servants of the Lord, and the masters or the bosses also are servants of the Lord. And the Lord, again, he sees no distinctions between the master or the slave. So what do we do with this passage of Scripture? Knowing that God wants us to be His ambassadors, His light, His witness in the workplace. I think for one, we've done it. We have to ask for His help. But then to have the mind of Christ have this perspective to have the heart to look at our 
co-workers and see them not as the devil or heathens, but see them as people created in the image of God who are lost without a Savior. You might just be the only person. You might be sent of God to be in that workplace to demonstrate who Jesus Christ is. And that again only happens through our relationship with the Lord, understanding that He's our boss. I remember when I first got saved, I put on the back of my old 1984 uh, Toyota truck. It was nothing but a rust bucket. And I prized that vehicle more than anything because of the bumper sticker. Right after I got saved, I put on the bumper. A Jewish carpenter is my boss. I love that. Jesus Christ is your boss. He's your authority. Serve Him as you serve others. Father, we come before you this morning having received this word. And Lord, once again, we are in great need of your help. We need your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would give this congregation, each one of us, Lord, a fresh perspective of our bosses, of our co-workers. And I pray for those that maybe they're in a position of authority in the workplace, Lord, that you would bless them with your presence and the power of your Holy Spirit to be servants as well, Lord. Father, it's our great joy that we have Jesus Christ as our King and to be in his kingdom. And know, Lord, that we have one time to influence people in this world. And while we sang this morning, as we are waiting for that trumpet to sound and for us as the bride of Christ to meet you, Lord Jesus, in the air, May we be mindful that we are on a mission here on earth to love others just as you have loved us. Have your way with our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.